unfiltered, uncensored, and unapologetic. This is the Retail War Zone Podcast. The topic tonight is something that, you know, I've thought about a lot as of recently. And, you know, first I want to say that getting out of management has been great. Love it. It's fantastic. You know, I have no regrets about doing so. And here's the deal. It's less stress, better quality of life, obviously better work-life balance. I get to clock in, do my job clock out, go home, not get phone calls from the alarm company at two or three o'clock in the morning, not get phone calls because somebody called out, not get phone calls because somebody did something stupid. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's wonderful. The only thing I miss from it is obviously the money. And like I had stated before, if the one thing that I say I miss out of that business, you know, and being a manager is the money. Yeah. Pretty much tells the tale. It was time to go. But on the flip side of that, there are um, some caveats to all this. And if you're thinking of doing it, things that I can tell you that I go through that you will too, um, partly because if you've been in the business for a very long time, uh, you know, I'd say 10 years probably would be a, a good starting point. If you've been a manager for 10 years or more, coming out of that, there's residual things that go on in your head that will never shut off. And you got to think in some cases, like, you know, I was a manager for roughly 23, 24 years. Okay. So you're trained to be a certain way. You, you, there's skills that you learn. There's all these different things and no one warns you and says, by the way, when you get out, that's going with you. You can't leave that. You might can leave your keys here, but that mess is going with you and good luck shutting it off because there's an unintended consequence to being a manager operating at a high level. You acquire a skill that no one ever told you about. You never asked to have it, but you get it if you've been there for quite a while and it becomes basically behavioral science. You are cognizant to things that go on around you. You're cognizant to patterns, behavioral patterns, um, different types of people and personalities and what comes out of that. And, and I wish I would have known because I don't want it. I hate it. It sucks because that's the way you think going forward. Even though you may have dropped to an hourly regular schmo, you know, which is peaceful that interrupts your peace. And, you know, it's, Learning people like that is something that's just a byproduct of doing it. And it is a, well, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss. So one thing that I thought about was when you're a store manager, obviously you want to get to know your people. There's, you know, you talk to your employees or whatnot, but you're not really in the thick of it, like on the floor. You're doing manager things. You, you might have to go do a conference call or you're working on your own little project by yourself or whatnot. Well, when you get dropped in to being an hourly again amidst the general working population, it is like fucking sensory overload because all of a sudden <laughs> your, your 
manager Spidey sense is pinging all over the place because you hear all and see all this shit that's going on around you. You know, everything from, you know, this person hates this person or this person thinks the manager sucks and this person thinks this person sucks and, and it, it's, it's terrible and you can't, you can't shut it off. At least if, if somebody out there knows how to, um, please let me know because I'd, I'd love to make it go away because the information that you gather being there in the midst, you know, in the weeds, so to speak, it's too much because the manager part of your brain that has been trained to think a certain way, it, it just processes this stuff automatically. And you find yourself thinking about it. You're like, oh, you know. And the other part of it that's really bad is because you've learned behaviors and you've learned patterns are the things that you see that are coming that you can't stop because it's not your rodeo. It's not your rodeo clowns. And it's like watching a car wreck in slow motion. You know, you may see some a pattern develop, and you know exactly what the end result's going to be. It could be detrimental to the business that you work in. But you can't, like, go to somebody and say, hey, you really need to, you know, keep a check on this because all you've got to go on is your gut, Right. And then it sounds like nonsense. You know, you'll go to a manager and say, hey, this person somewhere down the line is going to do this thing. And they're going to be like, well, how do you know that? You know, you can't just be like, well, you know, I've been doing this a long time and that doesn't fly because you have no evidence to prove it. So what happens is you keep your mouth shut and you watch it happen. And I was telling somebody the other day that it's kind of like, the time paradox where like if you if if you go back in time you're not supposed to see yourself or whatnot you know it's kind of the same thing you know you you know what's going to happen you know that's the way it's going to be but you're not allowed to stop it it's got to happen you can't interfere because a it's above your pay grade b you got nothing to go on except you know intuition and it's it's awful i mean just awful and you watch it, and it's just like there's nothing you can do. Now, the flip side to, you know, doing this kind of stuff and going back to hourly is if you operate at a high level, you know, you have a certain standard for yourself. Obviously, you had a standard for your staffs and your stores, but that's not your concern anymore. That's not your gig. That's above your pay grade at this point in time. But what happens is if you try to offer help or suggestions, you're going to get that crowd of people that are going to be like, oh, they just think they're hot shit. They just think he know he just thinks he knows everything, you know, and and there's some bitterness there, and so once again you walk a very fine line on what you should say and what you shouldn't, and most of the time you probably shouldn't say anything, you know, especially when you start getting in the weeds with you know a lot of the toxicity that goes on around people that are miserable, people that are talking about quitting, you know, stuff like that. That you know I would want somebody to come to me, you know, if I was a store manager but it's really, it's really not your place. You know, it's, uh, you just have to, you have to watch it. And, and the bad thing is that it comes from a good place. You really, you, you know, you really are just trying to help, you know, you've been trained that, you know, performance is key. You've been trained that efficiency is key. You've been trained that the more efficient, that your store runs, the more money it makes. So therefore people who are eligible for bonuses, you know, there's a chance for their bonuses to be bigger. You know, there's a chance for the store sales to go up 
you know, store standards to be better. It's that's just what you do. And it's what you've done your entire career. And so it comes from that place, especially if you wind up being a fixer, like we've talked about before, if you're a fixer, that's all you know how to do is fix problems. And so you see problems and you instinctively want to go fix it and you want to help. It comes from a good place, especially, you know, when you're looking at the fact you've sworn off keys, you're not trying to get promoted. You, you don't want to move up the ranks. You just want to do your job and, and you want to contribute as much as you can. And you still try to work to the standards that you've had for yourself for your entire career. And in your mind, it might be like, well, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm trying to help, but sometimes people don't want to hear it. You know, some people, you know, will look at it kind of side eyed, like, you know, you're starting shit or whatnot. So you just kind of have to sit back and watch. And then there are people that, you know, you confide in people you talk to, you know, you make friends on the job or whatnot. And, and they might be like your confidant. They may be the only one you, you, you tell this stuff to and sure as shit, it happens. And they come to you. Oh, you're right about that one. You're like, mm-hmm. Then the next thing happens. Oh, you called that too. Yeah. And then they start asking, how do you know that? I don't know. I wish I didn't. I have said that statement numerous times to some people. I, I wish I didn't don't want it, but it's just there. And sometimes you feel guilty. You go home feeling guilty that you know that there's a problem that's coming that's going to be not good for the store or, you know, the staff or whatnot. And you just got to sit on it. And it, it's maddening because, you know, as a store manager operating at a high level, you were trained to be an agent of change. You know, now you're just, an, you know, a clock puncher. And, and you do a job and that's it. So, you know, be warned. Um, I know there was a comment left by retail PTSD when I first started talking about this and in her situation, you know, she was overqualified for the job. She had gotten out of management, but she was working for her bad management that, you know, she was leaps and bounds above them. And, you know, talking about how hard, that is. Now, fortunately, I'm not in a situation where, you know, I got like shitty managers. So, so I ain't got to worry about that. Good people work hard, you know. Um, but imagine being in that situation where you go in and, you know, you're working for somebody who, you know, doesn't even come close to what you've done or the knowledge that you possess or the talents that you possess and you have to take orders from that person. I imagine that would suck that's got to be bad. So, um, hybrid says me and my manager still have a good relationship. So I hint things to her. That's good. And, and it's good that you have that relationship that you can do that without any kind of ramifications. Cause trust me, I mean, ego is a big thing in, in, you know, this kind of business. Some people don't take advice, you know, at all. They, they automatically see it as like you're trying to tell them that they suck or something. No, that's not it. So uh, tall poppy syndrome, correct. Um, okay, well, that was a different time, hero. But yes, yes. Um, Iris says, what do you say to hourlies to ask advice or want to join management? Well, that discussion's actually been had. I feel like the best thing you can do in a situation like I'm talking about is if you got somebody you get close to 
mentor. You know, it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, teaching people things if they want to know and try to understand, you know, tell them what the good and the bad are, you know, and especially if you know them well enough to know their personality and their strengths and whatnot, you know, sometimes you, you might be like, well, that position's not for them, not right now. Because, you know, you have people, and this is what happens really in any kind of like retail or customer service business. You get like younger people that get offered a promotion, not really knowing what they're getting into. And they started out with all this great spirit and whatnot, and they were a great employee. And as soon as they get keys, you, you just you just killed that. You know, because we all know being a manager carrying keys, that uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed mess goes away real fast. What's the money worth? Is that worth it for you? Uh, yeah, you know, money's not everything. And now I will say, you know, there there is a, a big thing about this. What's up, Joey? Also, what's up, Erica and J.E.? Um, it, it's not everybody's able to, you know, it, it's a little, it, if you're a single parent, <laughs> you know, you, you can't, you, you, you cannot just go be an hourly place. I mean, we, we all know that nobody pays well enough, you know, as it is, but paying well enough to support other mouths to feed, you, you, you can't. And it, you know, it has to do with like what kind of debt you possess and, and, you know, um, all those things to, to take in consideration, you know, from, and if the money is worth it for you, then sure. But I can promise you, I haven't met many managers who've been in it for a long time that at the end, they say the money was worth it, you know, <clears throat> but that might be all they know. And, uh, you know, I'm just thankful that the stress is, is, is low as it is. Um, now the stress just comes from trying to, filter all this shit out and, and, and not worry about it. Cause it is aggravating. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you have to go home and talk to your partner or your spouse about it. And, and a lot of it just comes from trying to wrap your head around some of the things you see because it makes no sense. None. And you're like, it, it, it will drive you nuts. But at the end of the day, you have to look in the mirror and like, you know what? It doesn't really affect me. Sure, I, I could I could help out. Sure, maybe I could offer something to help people out. Or I don't have to. It's not what I'm paid for. I do feel guilty sometimes, you know, to be honest with you, hearing some things and whatnot and, and just kind of letting it go because some of it might be things people need to know about. I mean, nothing illegal, nothing like, you know, people get fired, but, you know, just things that, you know, management should probably be aware of just in case. So, I mean, it, it is hard, um, but, you know, to answer your question, Irish, it, it's, it depends, you know, it really depends. I mean, I would not recommend, I will say that I learned a valuable lesson a long time ago. Now, when I first started this journey, I started out of high school in the grocery business. All right. And the thing with that was I used to say, if you could survive the grocery business, you could survive everything. Well, when you get into hardcore big boy retail, it's it's the opposite now. If you can survive that, you can survive anything because the grocery business is easy as hell compared to that. It, it's not even close. Uh, Hero asked, how many of you out there took promotions or positions for the actual job or the pay increase? I'd venture to bet the most took it for the pay. Um. 
to comment on something that Iris and I have talked about before. I'm sure a lot of people took it because they were promised it was a great opportunity. Joey, that's that's good. Yeah, 200 an hour with PTO and you can punch people. Yep, yeah, that that'd be that'd be great, wouldn't it? That would that would lower stress. You know, lawsuits would suck. See, yeah, pay, and and most people do. You know, God, I mean, think about now. Think about like inflation and things like that. How everything's going up in price, and you damn right people going to take positions for money right now. And you know, it, it's it, it's um it, it's just an unfortunate thing. You know, most people do do it for the money. And okay, question: How many of you took these promotions for the money and quickly realized? This was not a good idea because I did. I mean, everything I did was, I only took one job actually in management um, that was a pay cut on purpose. You know, I, I, you know, I went from working at the home decor store, making pretty good clip of money, took a God $25,000 a year pay cut to go play with guitars only to get laid off and COVID come on. So, but I, I, I made that choice, you know, but it's, uh, it really depends. Uh, blame tag says, I don't think I realized right away, not until I transferred to the last theater I worked at. Did I regret it? Location has a lot to do with it too. I, I think there's some situations too, where you take a promotion and you're in a location and that location's great. And then they talk you into going to another location and that's where the wheels come off the wagon. That I mean, that really, that happened with me at Jesus Craft Store, honestly. But that wasn't really, it, it was, you know, I took over one store, quote unquote, fixed it. And then here's an opportunity to go to this other store. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that was, that was bad. Cause, um, yeah, it was in a, you know, in kind of in the hood. So it, it, it wasn't good. Joey K says the fate of a retail manager is not one with which I could be reconciled for the money they offer. Correct. I don't think the return on investments there, to be honest with you, you know, especially now I'm telling you now, shit, the pay scales just aren't there. There are some places that, you know, and they probably have changed, but I know like TJ Maxx, Marshalls and whatnot would start off an assistant out of the gate at 50 K, which is pretty good, you know, a few years ago, 50K ain't shit now. Blame Tag says, yeah, it was an awful boss and a busier location and the ratio of customers who complained was higher. Yeah, that's what happens. You always get sent to a crappy place. That's another part about being a fixer. It's not like you ever get to choose. It's not like you can go to a brand new shiny store. You're always going to get stuck with the shithole. And they're going to spin it with the opportunity thing, but yeah. Irish says it took a while, but work-life balance wasn't worth any money after a while. Yeah. Yes. I, look, I enjoy what I do. I really, really do. You know, it, it's a very simple, menial job for what it is. You know, um, and really and truly, it's not far off from being a store manager because face it, in retail, you know, in a store, as a store manager, you're a glorified stalker anyway. So the only difference is the money's better. And and then you have to take the blame for everything. But, um, you know, it, it's uh, one of those deals where it, it's, I, I enjoy it. I mean, clock out, do my work, go home. And be done with it. And if I get any kind of communication from work, it's something like, hey, did you do such and such? Yeah. Or, hey, where is such and such? Okay. It's never like, oh, shit, the sky's falling. 
so-and-so called out, you got to get here. Nope, none of that mess. And I timed it um, just because I wanted to see. I, I mean, hell, I live so close. I walked to work uh, yesterday just to see. Ten minutes. That's awesome. Um, let's see. Hybrid says he still wants to start a campground. Russell, I did see your thing about uh, the tree. Yeah, same thing. I mean, you and I know that going from TR to Cherry Hill. Damn, that was rough. Um, Russell says a friend of mine is a store manager at Ashley Furniture Store. She walked in making 75K plus bonuses. Yeah, well, you know, bonuses, there's some places where bonuses are pretty good and you can get them. But hey, man, in retail or anything that's sales-based, you don't ever count on that shit because those companies at the drop of a dime will be like, oh, no, we can't pay it out or we're going to change the structure. You know, it's just doesn't work. Uh, Blank Tech says, oh, well, it was a brand new shiny theater, but that made it worse since it was the one everybody wanted to go to. Oh, yeah, that would be terrible. Yep. Hero says, well, that's like in the past. I was always focused on the next promotion, but now I'm like, if you want me to have keys, I need this, this, and this. You don't want to do that? Okay, cool. Keep your keys then. Yes. Um, Iris says, on the plus side, what was the best thing about being a manager? The money. <laughs> Honestly. Um. Early on, you know, I mean, it, it's cool developing people. I mean, and, and building teams. All right, that, that really is. I mean, that is a sense of accomplishment when you can collect a group of people that do amazing things, especially things that you know people didn't think could get done. Um, you know, one of the best, better ones was, you know, going into a location and being told that the entire staff sucks and you need to fire everybody, and you were like, okay, whatever, and then you took that entire staff and turned them into something amazing. And that those are the it's those kind of wins. But other than that, I mean, merchandising, you know, I always love merchandising. My nickname uh, at Guitar Center was Merchmaster Steve. Um, you know, it, it's just something I always enjoy doing. And that's really the one thing that kept me in the business as long as it is. And technically, it's kind of the same now. I mean, I'm just stocking, but, you know, I'm not building displays or anything like that. Uh, but that was the thing I always enjoyed. I loved, you know, there were companies where I worked where they'd give me like a, a 30 foot counter and be like, here's all this seasonal stuff. There, there's no planogram. Go, go do your thing. Okay, cool. You know, I, 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 I put up my work, you know, and doing that kind of stuff up against anybody. I, I, it, it wouldn't even be close. I'm sorry. I'm going to toot my own horn there. Um, Blame Tag says the money, even though it wasn't much, working with my team on the staff was satisfying. They appreciated my effort vis-a-vis -vis the schedule. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, it's not bad. I mean, it, it's, it, it has its moments, but it's, I tried to explain to somebody, we were talking about the difference between like being a manager in a grocery store and being a manager in retail. And one of the biggest things, one of the biggest differences we came up with was in retail, no matter how good a job you do, no matter how well liked you are, no matter how well your store looks and is doing, you still feel like you could lose your job every day. Every day. And that's a lot of stress, man. That sucks. You know, it, it makes you hyper aware of stupid shit that you shouldn't be. But yeah, it's uh it's um not fun. Hybrid says planograms at Target were great. It was like a puzzle for me. Yeah, I I love that shit. My current job doesn't know, 
that I know how to do that. And if they're listening, they probably do now. But um, I don't talk about that shit at work. <laughs> no one needs to know that. Because then it's, it's going to be, uh. um, At the home store, three quarters of people didn't know what a planogram was. Yeah, they didn't, including corporate, because their planogram sucked. Hobbert says, the fear is why I stepped down. Exactly. Joey says, I've noticed a large part of managing retail is struggling violently to make a schedule and get people to show up. You know, yes and no. So there are things that, you know, you can, especially once you get out, that you notice, all right? The, a good pulse check on your store and your management team is, when does everybody call out? Whose shift do they call out on? You know, that is a, and honestly, in most of the places I worked, we didn't have that problem. We really didn't. Um, Call outs were not really bad until, for me, until Russell and I were at the Dollar Tree we were at in, uh, in the hood. But most of the time, no, I mean, I, I really didn't have a, a problem. But part of that, too, comes down to what kind of manager you are. You know, and I've told the story, you know, the way I ran my stores was, you know, hey, look, there's days that we're not going to get a whole lot done. You know, we're just going to kind of chill. And that's okay. But, you know, when I snap my fingers and say, come on, let's go, we go. We do what we're supposed to do. Um, that helped out a lot. And it also helped, you know, getting in there and doing stuff you know, with people, you know, working side by side. And then there comes a point in time where you, you reach a certain wall that you just don't care anymore. Just don't care. You know, um, Iris asked, what was the worst fixture job you regretted taking? Of uh, the store that I'm talking about with Russell. Um, you know, when I got there, correct me if I'm wrong, Russell, I think that store had been there 12 years. I believe that Space Boot was the first manager there. And it was told to me that at that point in time, when we were there, Russell, um, we were the first managers in like 11 years to clean it up. And that was cool. But the amount of work it took to keep it clean, because to quote Jimmy that worked with us, those people were animals. I mean, I literally would like if you go into a Dollar Tree, you know, you've got the party wall and you got the one wall that's got like gift bags on it. Well, the pegs would always break. There'd be like a stack of gift bags on the floor. And we'd literally watch people just roll right over the whole stack with their shopping cart. They don't care. That was a place I talked about where, you know, we were busy and people would steal and they'd hold the basket up and wave at me as they go out the door. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, also to Russell's point, when we had call outs there, we just called Jim and he, 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 he'd come do it. Um, but you know, it was a, it was, it was a good thing. And, uh, you know, to get out, to be honest with you, but you know, you gotta be careful. Um, you know, like hybrid, your situation is good because I mean, you have a good relationship with your manager because you, you were there. I mean, you know, but you know, if you're somewhere somewhat kind of new to somewhere, I mean, just, just be warned. I mean, there, because it, it's more blatant than you think it is. You see and hear far more than you ever thought that you would. 
it's crazy. And, you know, Hero and I had a discussion about efficiency earlier. If you found yourself to be one of these people that was very productivity-based as a manager and ways to, because you got to think in like hardcore retail, most places have some sort of productivity tracker. There was some benchmark of how much work should get done. So that is just ingrained in you. I mean, you can't help it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, that's just who you are now. And when you go into a situation where you see that it's just inefficiently being done, it drives you crazy. It brings out like this OCD in you and it's frustrating to you. You know, that part does affect you because even though you're not a manager anymore, you still have like this cognizance to payroll. Like, oh my God, they're wasting the boss's payroll. I mean, that, and, and it's crazy because like I said, it still comes from a good place. It comes from like, you, you want to help your boss out because your boss is a cool, cool person or whatnot. And, and, and the staff's great. You know, you're like, you, you wind up feeling like they're taking advantage of it and you can't do nothing. And then, then there, then hostilities start happening because you can't tell people if you say, Hey, look, if you do this a different way, nine times out of 10, they get mad that you're trying to like, you're, you're acting like you're better than them when you're just trying to make it easy for everybody, but they refuse to listen to you because they're doing it their way. And I, there again, you know, behavioral, science because those kind of people you can't argue with and, and you can't, and you really can't teach. Unfortunately, you know, there, there's people you come across that, that will have to be forced. Somebody will have to force them to do a certain thing to prove the point that, Hey, it could be easier. And, and that's, that's, that's the worst part. People will fight you over trying to make their job easier. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. And so you just shake your head and be like, all right, whatever, <laughs> you know, when it's time for me to go home, it's time for me to go home. Bye. But, uh, let's see. Joey says, we have people that take a suitcase from the luggage section and walk around the store, putting items in it and then just walk out. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, hell, they were even really creative when, um, I was, uh, Oh, had a phone call. It was really creative when I first started in the grocery business. Like when I was 18, 19, people would take like the big, huge bags of dog food and somewhere in the store, like cut it open and dump all the dog food out and like shove the bag full of steaks. Saw that happening. That was always good. So, but yeah, uh, when we get on the theft talk, man, if people want to steal, they're going to steal. It it doesn't matter. If they want it bad enough, they're going to take it. Um, Let's see. Russell says, but half the truck done before the truck leaves at the tree was impossible. Honestly. Yeah, that's true, too. Um, You know, the bad thing about productivity tracking is it never takes into consideration day-to-day. It doesn't take into consideration somebody calls in sick. It doesn't take into consideration that your staff's burnt out and tired, and they're just not going to work as fast. It it takes the human element completely out of it. And, yes, numbers are agnostic. They don't lie. But there's sometimes there's reasons why you know, maybe the number didn't get hit. You have to look at, is it because it's, they're working inefficiently or, you know, whatever. And 
But there again, it's not your payroll. Doesn't come out of your pocket. Doesn't really affect you because, you know, if you walk into a situation where, you know, anywhere, you know, for instance, Russell, like Dollar Tree, you know, if the truck didn't get done when the truck was supposed to get done, well, we just worked it. You know, at least it was something to do. You know, it's it's not like that's the other thing. You know, you witness you're cognizant of it when you're a store manager, but you see it far more when you're like on the ground floor factions and like clicks. It really is kind of like high school. It's kind of like, ugh. but you know, you work through it. But you know, my, my message to everybody is, is be aware. I mean, if that's something that you can handle, then, Hey, if you have the opportunity to get out of management and you feel like you can handle that somewhat to where it doesn't drive you crazy. Hey, it, it's worth it. Okay. If you can do it, but just be aware. Nobody tells you this. Nobody knows, you know, I, I've looked, I haven't seen any, you know, cause tried to do some research or whatnot on this. There's nothing on this because nobody really talks about it, but yeah, you, you take those traits with you. Just like people have behavioral traits as a manager for a long time, you take every bit of that with you. And it is a very slippery slope because depending on who you talk to and whatnot, it can turn into some sort of conflict. And that's the bad part. There's a lot of things that you could say that aren't meant to cause conflict. It's, it really is meant to help, but you're dealing with people who look at it differently. So it's just like, well, just keep your mouth shut and keep it moving. So, um, so hybrid, are you dealing with any of that now? I know you made a comment that you realized that your staff was worse working with them than being over them. And for you, Blame Tag, with where you work, do you find that you want to like reach out and like grab somebody's like, no, don't do it this way. Do it this, you know, let's fix this. So I'm kind of curious to get your guys' take on that. Let's see what we got. See what we got. Uh, Russell says, I didn't know how to drive a forklift at home till a year after I started above my pay grade. Well, yeah. Um, Blame Tag says, yes, that's exactly what I'm like. Hybrid says, yes, definitely worse. It, and, you know, that's the sad part is you don't like hybrid in your case. I, I can imagine. I mean, when when you're in the weeds and you're with the quote unquote general prison population, you realize, whoa. And, you know, in your case, it may be one of the situations where you realize, well, no wonder we had so many problems. Uh, one pallet and three hours for one employee. It was literally just drinks. Oh, boy. I got I got a story that's better than that, but I'll have to message you it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's another thing. <clears throat> Math. You know, this is another thing that if you can, if you find yourself in this situation, it if you find it the way to say it nicely and make it not come off dickish or whatnot, it was always taught to me that, you know, a very defeating thing for any kind of stock crew, right. Is they walk in and they see this mountain of freight and immediately it's defeating. Cause you're like, Oh shit. You know, but I was always taught break it into manageable pieces. And what you do is, and we, we've done this at several places I've worked, you know, you, let's say you've got a staff of 10 people, right? 
and you've got 20 pallets. And these 20 pallets are stacked to the moon. Yeah, it, it looks rough. Well, you got 10 people. You give everybody two pallets. And then all of a sudden, it's like they don't feel so overwhelmed. They know they've got these two pallets that are responsible to work. And then if they get them done, they can go help the person that's struggling or whatnot. That's not trying to act like you know better. That's not trying to say that you're better than somebody. That's trying to make the job easier for people. And the math just does not lie. You know, and if you're looking at it, if we talk about stocking, the, the, the going rate of stocking is you're supposed to average roughly one case per minute. Okay. Now there again, there are different kind of merchandise that you stock. It might take a little longer. All right. But a minute, a case, but when you start looking at, you know, I think the average now is 30 cases per hour is about what everybody, you know, sees as being average. All right. But then it goes into like, what kind of merchandise is it? You know, for, for, you know, in your instance, hybrid drinks. Well, drinks doesn't take as long to stock as they can. Or, you know, baby food, you know, stuff that's tedious and things like that. But, you know, you have to be cognizant of that. And you have to stay on top of people and make sure that, you know, they're working and they're not, you know, just chilling. Um, and it, it's, you can suggest it. It's, you're, you're not being mean. You're not being a dick. You, you're trying to help people out, but they don't want to hear it. Um, I am going to put this out there. There was a discussion today. What are your guys' thoughts when you stock that you spot the freight, then you put it up after you spot everything? I will go ahead and say that my stance is I think that takes too much time because you're handling the merchandise twice. You take the time to take the box, to put it in the floor, go do it to another box, but then you have to come back to that first box eventually and stock it when it was in your hand and you could just put it out. So I'm just putting that out there for you guys. Just, just would love, uh, yes, I'm going to die on that hill hero. I just want to see what everybody says. Um, blame tech says we need you on our stalker team. They just sent to a department and they're on their own, whether they're new and don't know what they're see. And that's another problem. Um, okay. First of all, blame tag to answer, to answer your question. Spotting is imagine like hybrid says, imagine going to a grocery store. All right. And seeing like a counter of like drinks. And what that means is you've got a pallet and you take, all right, let's say you got orange crush. You're going to take this case of orange crush. You're going to sit it in the floor in front of where the orange crush goes. Then you're going to go back to the pallet. And then you've got like say Coke and you're going to take that. And you're going to sit that in the floor where the Coke goes. And then you're going to go rinse and repeat. Right. And then when you put everything in, you know, on the floor in front of where it goes, then you go work it. So, yes. Um, but to your other point about your stalker team, blame tag. That's one of the worst thing you can do to anybody. Cause stocking can be fun and it can be easy, but it's not easy if you've never done it before. And that is an awful thing to do to throw brand new stockers who've never done it before to the wolves. That's just terrible. Just, just terrible. Um, Russell says, if you have only, if you have an only spotter, it goes well if pallets are in order because you should, if a dedicated spotter be able to spot more than stock. That's uh, 
if you had somebody that did that, yeah. But still, my argument is you, okay, hero. Now, that's true. If you've got a new person, I can see where spotting the merchandise for them would be good, okay? However, if you're a seasoned stalker, you, if you've got the box in your hand and it's going to go out right in front of where you're going to stack it, just put it out. <laughs> just, just put it out. Um, but yeah, there, there are a lot of places that do spot. I mean, you know, um, that's just part of their culture and part of what they do. Now I can see if you, Russell, you bring up a good point. If you have a permanent, somebody is hired to be a spotter. Okay. That's cool. All right. That can help, you know, brand new stalkers, especially, but then you got to ask yourself, are we wasting payroll for an extra body to spot boxes when somebody could just take it to the shelf and put it out? <laughs> that, that, that just kills me. Um, blame tech says, oh, okay, we have different people spotting than putting the stock away, but my store. Okay. So, there again, blame tag. That's kind of to what Russell was saying. If you've got a person that's hired to do that and that's their job and they've got the payroll to do it, that's fine. I'm just saying if you're the actual stalker, okay, if you're the person with the merchandise and you're the person that's going to be working the merchandise, you don't need to be sitting in the floor. You need to put that shit up. That's just, that's just, I'm going to die on that hill hero. I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to time this. I, all right, guys, there's going to be a study on this here real shortly, and I will give you guys the results. It's going to be a real-time study with real-time data. So, plus two, it does depend on how fast the stalker is. So, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, efficiency is um, a big deal. And also, too, you know, a lot of people would take, if you're talking about these things that you're just bitching, and in kind of a way you are pitching, all right? But it's it's still there again, comes from a good place. You're just wanting to see things be better for everybody. And, you know, some people are old and stubborn and won't listen. Oh, okay. That's true, too. But we're going to test this out. Don't get mad. I'm just going to say, don't get mad. But anyway. Um, but, yeah, it, it's that's the bad part about it is if you, if you're being sincere and you're wanting to see people succeed, all right, you're not, you're not telling this stuff to, to burden them and make it worse. Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you want to make it worse? You don't, but people will take it as, as you know, some kind of arrogance or whatnot. So it, it, it does suck. Um, but that's something that you got to deal with. And if you're able to turn that shit off, that's great. And, but you will see stuff. If you decide to join the, the regular working crowd ranks, that's going to drive you nuts. You're, you're just going to be like, what is going on here? And you'll, and you'll see it. You'll see it without trying to see it. And that's the worst part. And then, you know, God help us all at that point. It's really kind of hard to figure that mess out. But, you know, if you're a manager that practiced efficiency and you were a manager that was, you know, had pretty high standards and you were goal oriented and results driven and KPI this KPI that. Yeah. You know, you, you can't turn that off in, in your mind. You feel like, well, Hey, I can help these people out, but, but you can't, you know, they got to learn on their own. There, there's a lot of stuff too, that you see that you might want to say something about, but you don't because it's not, not only is it your place, not your place to say it, but it shouldn't be, you know, people should see it. 
And if, if they see it, cool. If they don't, then they'll learn it eventually, you know? And, uh, so it's just, it's just crazy. Um, you know, blank tag, I got like bots censoring this. I'm assuming that says fuck KPIs. And I agree with you. Um, Russell says, even to add another store, depending, we'd have a rotator also because we stock cases, not just cans. It was just stack pivot stock. Yeah. Um, you know, Russell, I would think that the home decor store, I thought that was a pretty inefficient stock operation. I, I, I just, that didn't make any sense to me at all. I mean, in concept, in theory, I can see where they thought it was a great idea, but no, no. And, but hey, at least you and I were used to using rollers. How many of you in the chat that work this business unload trucks with rollers? Just curious. Um, because rollers suck. And yeah, fuck them rollers. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I'm very thank thankful that currently, you know, where I work, everything still comes on pallets. Thank God. Even though, even though sometimes they are not wrapped for shit and you will see some of the worst stacking ever on some of these pallets. Guys, I am six foot five and a half. And I'm talking there are pallets where there's like one huge, like mega size case of like pickles on the top of this pallet. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> Welcome Sean. Yes. I know you use rollers. Um, but, uh, it's, we have pallets, thank God. But what happened is a lot of companies out there and some might start switching to it now due to, you know, fuel costs, but, they figured out, oh, well, if we don't use pallets and we stack it from the floor to the ceiling, we can get more on there and we can save cost on fuel and transportation. Fuck the people in the store that got to unload it, but we're going to do this. And that's what happens. 52-foot semi-house roll into the door. You know, the, uh, the home decor store, that's exactly how they did theirs. And I can tell you that I have unloaded one of those by myself about four or five times. And it takes about four and a half to five hours to unload one of those trucks by yourself. And that was not fun. Um, Target did that hybrid. Yeah, that sucked. Uh, when I worked for CBS back in the day, all our trucks came in totes. But we had to use rollers there too. And it was awful. It, Russell, CBS that I worked at was on Cedar Lane Road. And uh Yeah the dock was outside and we had to use rollers and it was like 30 feet of rollers. It was terrible. Uh, no pallet shit falls all over the place. Correct. Correct. Um, and that's the one thing, you know, I like about what, cause see we get drop loads, but here's the thing. You can unload that shit fast. And the only thing I wish some companies would invest in all across retail, any, any retailer out there, there should at least be one electric pallet jack in that store. I would have to think that the amount of money that would be saved on like injuries and whatnot from pallet jacks unloading trucks would more than pay for having an electric jack. It would make life so much easier and it would be much more efficient and efficiency is what we are after. So, uh, 
two hours by yourself, there is no way a human being can unload one of those at-home trucks in two hours. <laughs> no way. Because hybrid, um, you would also get halfway through the truck, and there'd be like 40 full-size rugs rolled up that you got to carry out one by one. <laughs> it sucked. But, um, yeah, I'm thankful to everybody out there who, uh, that, uh, gets to use pallets. You call BS on what, Russell? On the two hours or on the, the rugs? Cause I unloaded four of those trucks by myself and yeah. That's about about what it took, and they about killed me. When I got done, I was I was I was dead. Oh no, he's not talking about home store truck. He he's talking about somewhere else. But you know, working at Dollar General sucked, but at least they did have their stuff like on those rollers um, cages that you could just take out, you know, and pull them off the truck. So those are great. But yeah, good stuff. Uh, I would imagine your operation. Um, and blame tag is probably pretty streamlined though. It has to be with as big as that fucking place is. Oh, it was a target. There would be pallets of water and stuff on the truck. Yeah. Oh, a, a pallet, a full semi with pallets, man. A couple of people, you get the thing unloaded in like 10 minutes. <clears throat> That's about what, well, not 10, I'd say 20, 25, but yeah, there is no way you, it, Russell. Did you ever unload one of those by yourself? Because I'm telling you, it, four and a half, five hours, and you know, and that, and what was funny is they don't send it on pallets, but you wind up getting pallets, and you have to use you. What you're doing is you're loading a pallet, you're shrink wrapping the pallet pulling the pallet off and then putting another empty pallet down and doing the same thing. That's how you're unloading those decor trucks. It was horrible. Absolutely horrible. And mind you, this is also the same company that said you couldn't take in a new truck until you emptied the old truck. And that at Christmas time, they just decided they were going to send you four trucks four days in a row and you couldn't do it. It, it just, uh, uh-uh. blame tech says, yeah, I think except for the inexperienced stalkers not being trained. Well, we're pretty good logistically. Yeah. Yes, hero, I was mad. Because so it all happened on my day off. Another reason why I'm glad I don't carry keys. That's a good way to end this. Uh, you know, if you have the ability to get out of management and it's something you feel like you need to do for your mental health and your work-life balance, I highly recommend it. I really do. If you're able to swing it. Now, mind you, I don't want to give any kind of advice to tell somebody to get out of management and, and cut their pay so bad that they can't survive. You know, you, you can't do that, you know obviously, but look around to find something that can get you a decent wage that maybe not be so stressful on you, but I highly recommend it. It's been a great thing for me. Yeah. I still get grumpy and you know, yeah, sometimes I'm, I get frustrated at work, not because of what anything's done. Maybe the, the pallet on the truck flipped or something, you know, just something that just makes it a little, eh. but you know, from a mental health standpoint, from a stress standpoint, from a quality of life standpoint, I cannot recommend enough find a way out. Retail and grocery is not a bad business to be in. That's one thing I've come to realize. It's not a bad business to be in if you don't carry keys. If you're there and, and you have a very specific purpose in what you're doing, and a very specific job, and you enjoy that job, hey, that's great. 
but don't don't let somebody talk you into getting keys. Don't do it. Run. There there are far better career paths out there. And you know, you might it don't get trapped. Do not get trapped. Blame tag says, "Oh yeah, my old manager team was constantly up my ass on my day off. They would say you're salaried." You're always on the clock. Exactly. And that is the best reason to get out because you're not accountable for any of that mess. You're just accountable for what you do. And, you know, and you also got to be able to take criticism. I mean, you know, let's say somebody comes to you, you've been a manager and let's just say, Hey, can you do this faster? Don't get mad. Just do it. You know, it's just like, do your best. And, and if your best isn't good enough, then that's a different story. But, Enjoy your time. You know, your shift's over. You get wrap up what you need to wrap up, clock out, and fucking go. That is the most rewarding experience out of all of this. The amount of times, you know, I was a store manager and I was about to walk out the door and get told, oh no, somebody just called out. Can you stay a little bit longer so we can? No, no. I don't fall asleep on the way home anymore <laughs> in the car. So. A uh, hero's right. They're not keys to the kingdom. Um, Blame tag says we should do some anti-key shirt. Just say no to keys. And show. good idea. Good idea. Uh, Iris says I think it was the writer in the old episode that said exactly that. Blame tag. What keeps you up at night was never being off the clock. Correct. Yep. Yep. That is it. So uh, next week, I'm not real sure what we're doing. To be honest with you. Um, I've got some people I've talked to. Uh, I did talk to Drunken Server today. Um, he's inquiring about being back on again. I said, absolutely. So we'll do that. Um, if you guys have people that have stories to tell, send them my way. Um, I have another person I was talking to uh, about another business um, that I will just say that upon research and talking to this person, it's like Walmart and Home Depot had a baby. So that'll be good. And, um, you know, we got some stuff coming. So, um, I've reached out to some other people and, uh, we'll see what we have going on. Like I said, mad dog will be here on the first. Uh, that is one that, that is, that is must see TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just telling you now that is not one you want to miss. So I've also talked to Erica. I need to get with her. She wants to do an episode with an all female panel. Um, we'll get with her and talk about that. So, but you know, it's one of those things. Thanks for coming to my Ted talk. Uh, just kind of, you know, getting stuff off my chest. Oh, hybrid says I'm always down to be a filler. Well, yeah, we could have hybrid on and we could talk about the retail refuge. So that'd be cool. Um, or talking about how to make money reselling. That'd be good too. So everybody, thank you for being here. Um, we will see you next week. Everybody be safe. If you have ideas for something you want to hear or something you want to see, let me know. So everybody have a great night. See you next time.